Welcome to Explorations of the Heart and Soul, guided meditations by Australian Zen teacher Andrew Tutel. Find out more at ordinarymind.com.au. Andrew's Zen teachings are made possible by donations from people like you. Darye, Yulaming, Burala, welcome, welcome home. Thank you everybody for making the effort to be here this morning. Please settle into your posture. Today we're going to be continuing with the, the guided meditation from a couple of few weeks ago called Ordinary Mind is Buddha. So the last time we were exploring Shamatha or calm abiding just calm abiding in objectless experiencing. We spoke about how ordinary mind is always here. Because ordinary mind is always here, it often goes unnoticed like the fish swimming in the sea who does not notice the sea. Ordinary mind is nearer than near, closer than close. In fact, we can say it's who we truly are. We began to explore this last time by making a distinction between ordinary mind and what we might call our ordinary thinking mind, our dualistic thinking mind that gets caught in thoughts of good or bad, right or wrong, us and them, etc. We also made the distinction that all our experience is all, all just changing and coming and going whereas ordinary mind remains continuous and constant throughout all experience. 
So today, I'm just going to introduce another name that is often you'll come across in Joko Beck's teachings and other teachings, and I have talked about it as well. Experiencing. Experiencing is a, a simpler way, I think, of talking about ordinary mind. Ordinary mind is a nice name. But experiencing comes closer to our actual experience. One could ask yourself right now, am I experiencing? And of course, this is very difficult to refute. If you weren't experiencing, you wouldn't be here. In fact, it would be very hard to imagine what not experiencing would be like. So what is experiencing? So today's meditation is exploring this question, what is experiencing? Exploring the basic nature of our experience. So we're moving from shamatha or calm abiding to vumalaka vipassana. Inquiry leading into insight. Vipassana means inquiry leading into insight. So one of the ways in which Buddhism develops this phenomenology of experience or experiencing, we could talk about the, the six dimensions of experiencing. So we have the dimension of seeing. Colors, shapes, that's one dimension of experiencing. We have the dimension of sounds, Natural sounds, sounds of motor cars, another dimension of experiencing. Sensations, textures, another dimension of experiencing. Body sensations, the pain of or the sensation of hunger, or the sensation of a tingling in one's toes, the sensation of pain, <clears throat> we have the dimension of tasting, 
sweetness and sourness. In the dimension, and we have the dimension, the fifth dimension of smelling. Smelling of roses or smelling something more unpleasant. Often with these different dimensions of experiencing, we do get a certain feeling tone which arises, usually whether this is pleasant sound or unpleasant sound or neutral sound or a pleasant smell or an unpleasant smell or a neutral smell. Typically, we think of these five dimensions of experiencing as being external. But actually, when you actually explore this through our awareness practice, we start to see how they're all dimensions of experiencing. This is only something which can be verified within our own experiencing. Only you can actually taste the distinction between what is salty and, and what is sweet. And finally, the sixth dimension of experiencing, which we often, you know, think of as internal incorporates thoughts, images, memories, feelings, moods. And when we actually inquire directly into our experiencing and these six dimensions of experiencing, it seems reasonably clear that the one common factor that unites all those dimensions is experiencing. The experiencing of sounds, is the same experiencing or thoughts. So another name for experiencing is what you might call non-conceptual knowing, knowing by direct acquaintance. In other words, you don't need any concepts to know the difference between sweet and sour. You might not have a name for it. But the naming comes secondary to the direct experience.
Another name for experiencing is just being aware. Or awareness. But the nice thing about speaking of experiencing is the sense in which it is a verb. It's something which is happening right now. And quite clearly is not a thing. So if all those six dimensions we could think of as being experiencing the objective experiences, experiences that are known by the subject which is experiencing them, then that which is experiencing is not something which is an object. Colors and sounds, tastes, textures. These are the phenomena or the objects which are appearing or arising in our experiencing. Experiencing is the knowing of the sound, the knowing of the taste. One of the remarkable things about experiencing or awareness is it's self-illuminating. It's awareness is aware that it's aware. Experiencing is something that we are aware that we are experiencing. So experiencing is like the light that renders all these phenomena or objects visible. We cannot actually see experiencing, but we know that we're experiencing. This is why we need to point to experiencing because often it goes unnoticed and unrecognized, yet it's the most stable and continuous aspect of our experiencing, of our moment by moment living here in the world. So all these six dimensions are different dimensions of the same experiencing.
So let's now explore the, the temporal dimension of experiencing and ask yourself the question, have you ever had the experience while you were experiencing of experiencing beginning or ending? So we've all had the experience of a sound beginning and ending. But prior to the sound appearing and disappearing, there is experiencing. As the sound disappears, there is still experiencing happening. So we could even say or suggest that experiencing is not in time. That our experience of time takes place within experiencing. When we're sitting through a long period of meditation and we have the thought, when is this going to end? The thought itself is creating that experience of time. But that is an experience located within experiencing, like all the other experiences we have. So in a way, we could say that experiencing is the timeless dimension. We can also explore the spatial aspects of experiencing. We can ask ourselves the question, does experiencing have any location or edge or center? Just check this out. Can you notice or experience any edge or boundary to experiencing? Or does it have that sense of boundlessness? Does it have that sense again of being not in space, but space being within it? So we can look around the room and notice the furniture in the room. We can notice the boundaries of the furniture in the room, the different shapes. But all those boundaries are arising, if you like, and appearing in our experiencing, which in itself has no boundaries. So let's just 
rest for a few minutes in that sense of timeless boundlessness that experience is. Just explore that. So just noticing how the phenomena in the six different dimensions of experiencing are coming and going, constantly changing. Yet the experiencing remains constant and continuous, the one stable constant. Experiencing itself is not a thing, it's a no thing, it is transparent. Yet experiencing is aware of experiencing. But like we pointed out last time, experiencing itself cannot be grasped. It, is an it isn't an object that you can find. It is the knower of all objects. It is the knower of all phenomena. 
Now, from the moment we've been born, we've been conditioned into a dualistic consciousness to experiencing the world dualistically. We've been conditioned to separate us, ourselves as subjects from the world as object. This subject-object duality is all pervasive in our culture. It's something we are conditioned into and how we automatically usually experience ourselves in the world. That's why we practice these kinds of meditations and inquiry. We can speak of these and we can discuss these issues philosophically, but we need to include this kind of experiential inquiry as part of that process. This has to become as clear to you as distinguishing between sweet and sour something that you immediately know the difference. But we get entangled and ensnared in duality all the time because it's so pervasive. So this next exploration is seeing through this kind of duality of inside, outside, internal, external. Are the objects or the phenomena that we are experiencing, those five dimensions in particular, of visuals, sights, sounds, smells, tastes, etc., are they really external? Is it possible to separate them from experiencing? Or is all we experience experiencing? This may seem clear when it comes to something like pain. I cannot experience your pain, I can only experience my pain. You can clearly see the inseparability of pain from the experiencing of pain. Similarly with taste, I think it's really clear. I think sound as well, you can, if you really enter into the sound, how the sound is inseparable from the experiencing of the sound. Experiencing is who we are, it's the knowing. So we are the sound in that sense, we are inseparable from the sound. I think visuals and sights are a little bit more difficult. But visuals are also inseparable from our experiencing. Those clouds in the sky are appearing in our experiencing. The sound of the ocean as we're walking is experiencing appearing in our experiencing. We are non-separate, non-separable 
we are it. There is nothing external that we are experiencing. We're just experiencing. Again, this form of knowing is not a conceptual knowing, it's a non-conceptual knowing or sometimes called knowing by direct acquaintance. It's intimacy. And then it follows, you know, we ask the question, well, who or what is this subject which is experiencing? We can't really find a subject as such. The subject is the experiencing. The subject is the knowing, which is inseparable from the objects which are known. This is, this is non-duality. Everything we experience is inseparable from who or what is experiencing. Is it possible to know anything other than experiencing in this sense? All objects and phenomena arise and pass in our experiencing. Even conceptual knowledge is something that is happening within our experiencing. When we add one plus one equals two, that's a conceptual knowledge which is still appearing in our experiencing. There's no conceptual knowledge without this prior experiencing. So this is the realization of the non-duality of experiencing. And the objects or contents of experience, all experiences of body, mind, personal self, and the world of sights, smells, sounds, are not actually objects, but manifestations or expressions or displays of experiencing within experiencing, like whirlpools in the river of life, pervaded by experiencing and made of experiencing. There are no experiences in addition to the knowing experiencing of them. Experiencing is empty of anything other than itself. Experiencing is empty of subject-object duality. All experiences are like reflections in the mirror of experiencing like clouds in the sky made of sky. Experiences are constantly changing, but experiencing remains constant. To quote Joko Beck, if this process were absolutely clear, we'd have no need to practice. The enlightened state is not having an experience. Instead, it's an absence of all experience. The enlightened state is pure, unadulterated experiencing, 
And that is utterly different from, quote, having an enlightenment experience. Enlightenment is the demolition of all experience built of thoughts, fantasies, memories, and hopes. But that is not easy to illustrate the difficulty of this practice. Uh, Joko quotes a poem by W.H. Auden. We would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of the moment and let our illusions die. So the final question to explore is, can any experience harm or benefit experiencing? Can experiencing lack anything? Can anything touch or change or be apart from experiencing? Or is experiencing always content and fulfilled, lacking nothing? So what Joko is pointing to is that being experiencing, being experiencing is freedom from hope and fear. It is fearlessness of death and all experience. If nothing can harm experiencing, is it possible for experiencing to suffer in any way? Or is this realization the end of suffering? Body and thoughts may continue to suffer, but experiencing is inherently free from suffering. Hence, taking refuge in experiencing, being experiencing, is liberation and peace. <laughs>